Alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Hope. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people to hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. And I lead worship there. So oh, wow. we do everything Sunday. Like we go there and we practice or put everything together, <coughs> do the sound system and everything. So we, we usually get there at three and then we don't go home until like eight <laughs> between yeah. people. And stuff. Yeah. So it's like, ah, we want to be here, but it's like a long, long day for us. That is a busy day. Yeah. yeah. How are services going there? Good. We kind of average about 30 people 30 every people, Sunday or sounds great. If we could get everybody there, we'd probably have probably around 60, 65, 65 or so. people. Wow. Depending on what's going on, they all have different mm-hmm. shifts in their jobs and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, okay. yeah. yeah, holidays sometimes. Well, they well a lot away. of them work like six days a week. So, oh, Sunday, wow. like, they come to church and sometimes they're like, you know, I'm going to do my shopping, my, yeah. my yeah. laundry, my everything. Yeah, you know, there, there's a also. fellow that helps us with that. Pedro, <clears throat> he, ha- mm-hmm. he has a night shift at his job. And then he just goes home, gets dressed, comes to church, and he doesn't sleep until oh, that evening done. to be yeah. in church. Yeah, so everybody makes a little bit of a sacrifice, sacrifice but yeah. it's good. And it's the Guatemalan. We have Guatemalans, Mexicans, Honduran. What do you it's, call it, it's, though? It's the Esperanza de Vida. Esperanza it's, de Vida. Um, Hope of Life is yeah. really the translation. It started more with the vision of reaching out to people from the community of Quiche in Guatemala. But as time has gone by, it has grown to reach out to other Hispanics, not necessarily natives. And some are from Mexico, natives from Mexico. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we have a little bit of everything. Yeah, Griselda yeah. speaks... No, her husband speaks. Oh, her husband. Di- tricky. Tricky. Uh, we're not tricking you, but that's the name of the yeah. dialect. Tricky. Oh, wow. Tricky. Okay. <laughs> they have their own Mayan or... In this yeah, case, Mayan, it's Aztec. Aztec it's for Mexican, Mexicans, yeah. Mayan for Guatemalans. But they have their own dialects of old language, which doesn't really go with Spanish at all. It's Literally, it's literally their own, nothing. Like yeah, said, like in Guatemala, they have 23 different languages. Wow. And each one is separate and distinct None of them interact. They use Spanish to, to interact. interact with the language. Very so bro- they know both. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. very broken mm-hmm. Spanish because it's a community <clears throat> that doesn't get educated very much. Nowadays, I should say, because I haven't been there in 10 years, you know, school is, is obligatory now. But it wasn't in the past. So a lot of mm-hmm. the parents of these younger people didn't learn how to read or write. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people we have at, at church, they don't read or write. Wow. Yeah. So their kids go to school and... You know, it's always a challenge, but it's been fun. Now we have glimpses of growth. Like there's people more involved, people mm-hmm. getting baptized and even sharing their faith a lot mm-hmm. more than they ever did. It's been, what, now six, about six years? Mm-hmm. But it has taken a long time. There's a family that was in the church for four years, never made their decision for Christ. Pastor Kirk Martin from Martin from Alliance came and preached and during the fellowship time, he went to them and said, hey, I noticed that you didn't respond to the question I asked about, you know, having Jesus in your heart. Did you understand the question? And they both said yes. And he said, so what does, what does it impede 
that you will accept or what is in the way of you Mm -hmm. uh, receiving Christ. And, And they just would look at each other and get all nervous there. And finally she said, we're not married. And Pastor Kirk said, he has a great testimony, by the way. Those are good people with great testimony, both mm-hmm. of them. They also were not married when they became Christians. And he said, oh, well, that's my story, too. And, you know, I accepted Christ, and Christ was the one that helped me put my stuff in order. And, and they received Christ right there four years later. Yeah, so awesome. we have had people that has stayed in the church, comes to mm-hmm. church, but they don't make their decision until, you know, later on. And it's pretty fun. Welcome, Shine Podcast <clears throat> listeners. It's Berta. Oh, it's Esperanza. <laughs> <laughs> we are here with Millie and William Acevedo. Acevedo. With a D at the end. Acevedo. Acevedo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Wait, okay, be quiet. So oh, sorry, say it right. Acevedo. Perfect. <laughs> They are not strangers to the podcast studio. Millie was on season one, episode 45, and William was on season one, episode 44. We had them back to back. Mm. And today we have them together talking about their love story. Both Millie and William were married prior to their current marriage to each other. Millie was married for 18 years, and she had... They had three sons. One is with the Lord, and the other two she brought from Guatemala to America. And William was married for 15 years and has a son and daughter. Their kids collectively are 29, 28, 26, and 25. Mm -hmm. So we are here to... They've been married for 11 years. They got married in 2012. Mm -hmm. And they're here to share their love story and some of their challenges and things that they've overcome today with us. Thanks for being here tonight. Our pleasure. You're welcome. So we want to hear about your love story. Where do you want us to start? (laughs) Start from the very beginning. A very good place to start. All right. We're not going to sing this one. They didn't practice. I didn't even tell them. We didn't ask them what I really want. Yeah. I'll give you a summary that will place us where we are today, right? Like, we met way before we got divorced, okay? We uh, met doing missions in Guatemala. He was the missions leader for his church uh, into our country. They came a few times, and I was the contact over there to line up the work that they would come to do. So we worked together some, and then their church moved to missions in the Dominican Republic right. later on, and, you know, life happens, and I got divorced, he got divorced, and we reconnected later on uh, over the phone. Mm-hmm. And... One thing led to the next one and the next one over the phone because our dating season was pretty much Skype with a cup of tea or just, you know, talking on the phone long hours when the kids were asleep. And um, that's how we got to know each other more. A Mm -hmm. lot of talking. A lot of talking. Were you in Guatemala? I was in Guatemala. He was in Ohio with sometimes two hours difference, sometimes one hour difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My kids did not know we were talking over the phone. You know, this Skype, is, I yeah. feel like that's We're talking years and years ago. Yeah. yeah. Then Magic Jack became a good friend. Right. And uh, yeah. And that's what is we, Magic Jack? I don't even know a, about it's that. It's a device that you connect to your computer and they assign you a phone number and you can actually make phone calls they internationally. Assign you a phone number, a stateside phone number. So oh. she, she to, she like takes I'm in Guatemala and they assign me a phone number from the US. So we can actually talk over the phone. Kind of complicated, but it, it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're here. 
Yeah. <laughs> we talked for a, what, for, couple years? Yeah, almost two years. Two years. That was our relationship over the phone. Did you ever phone. count up how many hours he spent oh, on the phone? Oh, my goodness. Some, <laughs> no. Did we count them? No. no, but there were a lot, a lot of, of hours. hours. Yeah. Uh, there were times when the boys would come from school and I, he, he's like, don't hang up, don't hang up. Just put the phone in your pocket. I want to hear it, you know. Got to say. And yeah, so he, I would carry him in my pocket, you know. He would just listen to the conversations and stuff like that. So yeah. he knew more of the boys than they knew of him. Yeah. Until later, things change. When did they find out about well, him? <laughs> that's an interesting story. Wow. Well, unfortunately, divorces can get really messy, right? In Guatemala, like most third world countries, anything that has government involved in processes involved, it can take forever. And divorces are like that. So I got caught in the fact that I was not divorced. But we were talking on the phone already, okay? So I absolutely didn't want anybody to really know because that would mess up everything you know people can get really angry at things that they don't see or understand well just to <laughs> clarify that a little bit millie wasn't divorced but she was living outside the house yeah, already I was she separated. was on her own mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um the divorce process can be uh, a forever process in guatemala like the husband has to let me explain that a little bit. Go, go for yeah. It. So I, I think in the in the other podcast I explained a little bit the culture and how it's very man oriented. So the whole process is man oriented too. At least then I haven't been in my country for over ten years, so maybe some things have changed. But by the time I left what I call home, the law was not on my side. If you leave your house, you lose your right to submit or request a divorce. You have to wait for the other person to do that. And if they're mad at you, they will never do that. So the law changed a few months after that in my favor. So I was separated for a whole year after that, and then I submitted the divorce, and the rest is history. But the law is pretty was pretty difficult, you know, to manage in my favor. So that's why it was taking so long, and we were talking on the phone. I didn't want to confuse the boys, I felt. I struggled with the whole thing, but mm -hmm. so the boys did not find out until we decided to move here. The father needed to release the younger one, which was Diego, he was a minor, and finally gave the signature to move here. So within a month, I sold everything and planned to come here. Originally, I thought about going to my sister's in Houston. But then William is like, really? Houston is as far as Guatemala, if you ask me. <laughs> you know, I work and it's really hard. How am I going to get to know the boys and how are we going to date a little longer or whatever. So by then my parents knew and my mom is like, well, I don't know what do you want to do? And he talked to my parents and he said, listen, I have an apartment. I'll leave the apartment for them to stay. I'll move out and, and stay with a friend so I can get to know the boys and, and I want to marry her. You know, so I, I know where we're heading. I just don't want to scare the boys with this whole process mm -hmm. and stuff. I did not get brave enough until like a week before the trip. And I told Manolo about it. He was super happy. And I didn't tell Diego until we were in the plane. <laughs> he was not realizing what we were doing. He was 14 at the time, so he, he knew some things. It's not, he was not a little kid. And it, yes, I took him by surprise. I messed up the whole, <laughs> the whole trip. He was a little, you know, emotional. But then at the end, Manolo's like, dude, my mom is okay. She needs to be happy too, so get over it. Of course, that's not as easy, right? And we got here. Yeah, Diego had an emotional breakdown. He's like, I want to yeah. go home. We were not surprised. Of course, everything was a lot. We just had left the country, their father, family, and he was very tired, but it worked out at the end. I told him, listen, if you don't like it, within a week, we go back. Of course, I was hoping that he would like something. 
And he did. He loved school. He made friends real quickly, and this became his home, too. So yeah. that's how they found out. And I think I haven't said this out loud to many people. So now everybody knows. And you were waiting for us at the airport with flowers and a meal made and at the apartment and everything and friends. Yeah. So it was... It's a little difficult um, when Millie moved into the apartment. I had to find a place to live, so now I'm kind of calling on all my friends. I'm like, can I, can I sleep on your couch for a week? <laughs> you know, and I would call another friend. Can I, can I uh, use that spare room for a week? So I was kind of bumming, mm-hmm. housing. Yeah, I was just bumming on my friends for a good long time. Uncomfortable sleeping on couches. How long was bed. it between coming here? And getting married. I want to say about a month and a half. I know that sounds very short, but we had known each, each other before yeah. and talked over the phone mm-hmm. and all that. He had met my parents uh, shortly before I moved here. The boys really adapted very quickly. I feel like God's grace was in that. Mm-hmm. Diego had a little bit of a harder time because he went from fist bump, fist bump to, you know, pat on the on the shoulder to a hug. It took a while, yeah. you know, to warm him up. It took a couple up. years, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, between moving here and the wedding, about a month, a month and a half or so. So mm-hmm. I have to ask because we've, Mark and I, we knew each other, but mm-hmm. we didn't date very long, got married, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. engaged and married quickly. The Blakemans didn't know each other very long, got married. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have any surprises or did you have enough conversations on the phone that you weren't Hmm. like, what have Mm -hmm. I done? Well, I think we spoke so much to each other for so many hours. We pretty much had a good idea. I mean, you'd never know until you're here and uh-huh. you're actually not cohabitating because we're really together. But uh-huh. but until you're that close, you don't really know. But I think I think we're like kindred spirits. We we just kind of meshed. And uh-huh. I don't there's I don't one know decision on my side. I don't think there was anything that yeah was no. Really but there was a, there's one decision that I think helped a lot before I moved here. I made a couple trips. And we met at a retreat for counseling. Mm -hmm. And we had decided over the phone that, I mean, we didn't understand much about triggers and all these other things. But we did know that you don't want to repeat patterns. And as much as you want to believe it's the other person's fault, because that's how we kind of act sometimes, we are part of it. And Mm -hmm. there are things that need to change in our end or you'll end up doing the same the same things or in the same situation. So we decided to do that and we went for, uh, it's called the Road Adventure. It's a ministry out of Texas and pretty much you get full year of counseling in like a weekend, it's pretty intense. So we did three of the five. Three, yeah, three weekends. And I think that was helpful, although we didn't know maybe everything about each other. I think we ended up with very good tools to manage some of the surprises mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember any of the surprises like that. Him as a father, maybe, because that's mm. one, the one thing, you know, with a blended family, you get scared of how that's going to yeah. end up. And I, I had an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. Those are not easy ages. And he moved my heart many times in the way he, you know, handled the boys. And we had our moments, too, with them, but it was mostly good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think I decided early on that I had to take this on as like, I, I'm going to love them like they're my kids. You don't necessarily feel that in the very beginning, but if you keep that intent in your mind and your heart, it kind of it kind of grows on you. It kind of becomes real. So I thought, you know what, they're, they're my kids and I'm going to treat them like my kids. And that's the point of view that I had. So I think that really helped a lot. We discovered very quickly, I don't know if it's the experience of everybody, 
that the parenting rules or steps, however you want to call it, are the same whether you they are your kids or not. Mm. You have to stay together, uh, you know, in unity because mm -hmm. they will try the same things that your own kids will try with, you know, father and mother together. So we discovered that if we kept at it the way just parenting is and, and not think too much about the fact that they're mine or they're not mine. Mm -hmm. um, we, we saw a lot of success with just applying those things. Of course, yeah. he saw the success because we didn't have his kids with us, but, but we worked together with, with Manolo and Diego. So, Can you share about a struggle that you guys faced and how you worked through it? I can think on the top of my head the one thing. Our experience with me having two boys the oldest one i don't i don't know i have talked to other people and it seems to be a pattern but i don't know if it's for everyone the oldest one kind of feels the need to fill in the place that was that gets empty in this case i don't have any husband anymore so i will be that person to you and he became very protective of me he was only 18 but he felt that the treatment towards me was more like an equal instead of mom and, and son. So when William is in the picture or gets in the picture, I think one of the biggest and, and longest struggle for the first full year, I think, was the fact that he is the head of the family, William, and you are not her husband. So talk to her with respect because you are disrespecting my wife. Man, it took a while for him to get that idea, <laughs> the point. Me, yeah. and, and so, so all the bumping of heads that happened, I think, during that year had a lot to do with that particular mm -hmm. issue. You know, for, for my son, I mean, it was his way of loving me, but a wrong way, you know, and for me to try to put him back into the place of a son, uh, it, it was a challenge uh, because that would threaten his position in the family. So my place was to respect him and honor him as the husband. And I, I was, was worried that Manolo would interpret that as, you know, Rejection. I love him, but I reject you. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was probably uh, one of the biggest challenges at the beginning. Pastor Chuck and Miss Lynn worked with us mm -hmm. very closely through mm -hmm. that. But Manolo responded well. He, he didn't fight it as much. It was difficult to get out of that mode, but he was looking for a way out, I think. And he kind of submitted to the way out mm -hmm. and, and let it go. It was a little tough. It was a little tough for a while. A lot of testosterone at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you just get thrown into it when you blend a family. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not like you two have time by yourself and then you add them one at a time. It's, bam, mm -hmm. here we all are mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we sometimes find that today, like we don't didn't have a dating time, so mm -hmm. we kind of try to date <laughs> mm -hmm. spontaneously now and, and do that kind of stuff because we didn't really have that time with... Uh, each other before kids like most people would do normally there was there was a point and this kind of went with the kids also but there was a point where millie's mom said i'm having a tough time with this how do i like get him out of my heart and then her ex and then put you in place i think it was the same struggle the kids had also mm -hmm. but i i said to them i had to say it and mean it and live it but I said to them, hey, I, I'm not here to replace their dad. And I told that to Diego and Manolo. I'm not here to replace your dad. Your dad is your dad. I'm here to be an additional person that loves you and will take care of you. Same thing with her mom. I told her, mm -hmm. I, I don't want you to take him out of your heart. He had a place in your heart. I just want you to make some room for me and let me be a part of the family. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I told Diego, I said, hey, 
anytime you have a problem, you go to, you know, it's going to be hard maybe for you to come to me or your mom, but you have grandparents and you call them and tell them, you know, I'm having trouble with this or William doesn't understand that or, you know, whatever, because you, you need your family and you need to have an outlet and a place of help and hope. But it went well. It, I think we're just so open with them. I think they just responded well and they loved us back or loved me back in the same way. So mm-hmm. I was fortunate, I think. Yeah, the way we see loyalty through the divorce is very interesting. Each person that gets involved in this whole thing, the kids, uh, myself, or the parents, it's really hard to manage what William said. You know, I have room for this many people in my heart. But the heart is something that you can stretch. And God made us that way. You can make room, like he said, for other people. And that doesn't mean you're dismissing, rejecting, or hating anybody else to make room. You know, you just stretch it. I saw that with Diego more than Manolo, the Mm -hmm. the level of loyalty. He felt that accepting one side meant rejecting the other, you know, and and it took him a little longer to figure out how to have two people that love him instead of just having to dismiss one Mm -hmm. to have the other. Remember that we had a talk or a few times we talked about this. When you are a blended family or married for the second time, you come hoping that things will be very different. And once in a while, you realize, mm-hmm. oh, that was me. It was yeah. not that other person. You know, we didn't have like a ton of moments like that, but we did realize yeah. that there are actually <laughs> triggers. And then we realize, oh my goodness, a man is going to be a man. And, and they have certain traits that belong to the male, you know, mm-hmm. kingdom. And and we women are emotional and all women will do certain things. You know, <laughs> we're individuals, but at the same time have certain traits. And we did talk about yeah. that a lot. You get to certain problems and you're thinking... Your mind is running with the old person, maybe, let's say, with that certain problem, and you're thinking, oh, no, this is her. This is all her. And then you're having the same problem with your next wife, and you're like, oh, no, this is not her. This is me. me. (laughs) I need to work on this part, and I need to solve this because now I'm bringing something in the marriage that doesn't belong here, Mm -hmm. that she wasn't a cause of, that, that I know was a problem then, and here it is again. It's me. It's me. I'm the, mm-hmm. I'm the one. Did each of you feel like you had time to recover and heal from your divorce before you got married? You know, because sometimes they say people, they just jump into the next thing without that taking time and processing through that and allowing themselves to heal. Mm-hmm. What was that like for both of you? Well, I guess for me, I don't know that I'd limit it to time. I think that... I was alone for a while, so I had a lot of time to reflect on a lot of things that were good and bad about the marriage. There was a lot of guilt. When you say your vows, I took them very seriously, and there's there's some things I wish I would have changed that I wish I could have changed, but we were still, our marriage was still sick at the time, and it, it just was not going to work with the tools that we had. But I think when we went to the road adventure, I just learned so much I didn't have a lot of guidance growing up. I didn't have a, um, I didn't have parents I could talk to. I always kind of felt that I was on my own. And I think the road adventure gave me so many tools to, to kind of work with that I, I feel like I ended up solving enough things that I didn't really feel that I was substituting or, or getting into something too quickly. I mean, we did talk 
over the phone. The, the great thing about talking over the phone is that you're sharing so much of yourself. Not distracted by kisses. Yeah, you're not distracted <laughs> by physical and kisses and all that stuff. And it was a good focus on like who we are, the kind of people we are. Of course, you don't know until you right in front of each other, but I, I don't feel like I rushed. I don't know about you. Well, like I shared in the other podcast, I was in ministry some, and I help other people too. So in the process of helping people, you were counseling some of them. And one of the patterns that I constantly saw in, in people who were dating and left, like they broke up or people who were married and they divorced, it's like if they don't heal, they choose the exact same thing. And sometimes the new guy even looks like the old guy. And you're like, what? Well, I refused in my mind to go through that on purpose. Like I was very aware that patterns can be repeated. And the only thing is where I was, we didn't have a lot of help for people who would get divorced. Our churches at the time were more focused on, you know, feeding into or helping nurture the marriages that are already existing. And those that are struggling, there's not a lot of really real help. There's biblical help, but not necessarily counseling that will help you help change patterns and stuff. So there was not much for me as tools to try to heal unless I would seek for those. So that was very helpful. It was very helpful that I knew English because I would look for books and, and articles and stuff that would help me through the process of that. And I, I don't feel, although in the outside it looked a little rushed because People didn't know, so they went from not knowing to, oh, you have a, a guy now, right? right? And then got married like within a month and a half. From the outside, it looked like we did rush, but I, I feel like God really helped us to take the right steps, even if they were not submitted to a time frame that we necessarily expected. But we did ask for help individually. Uh, we try to together look for help and, and get some tools and maybe we were not completely healed Beth, but but i'm pretty sure that we were on our way to do that and as we exercise the tools that were given i can tell you that this marriage has been very healing to me you know the hugs i i get from my husband you know it, it's a complete different level of the depth of love that i had not experienced before there was a lot of things like me being the pillar of the other marriage and not being so, not allowing myself to be a woman with emotions because I had to be the strong one, etc. You know, in, in this marriage, it has been healing that I can just be me, mm. you know. So I think it kind of overlap if you, if that is an answer, you know. I, I started the process. I don't think I rushed into it. But it overlapped with already being married and continuously heal those things. Mm -hmm. We still go through triggers 10 years later, right, with mm -hmm. some stuff. So we're still in the process of healing, but we are doing better. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned about these tools that you've learned. Can you share some of the tools that were the most helpful to you? Maybe some of these might seem a little basic because, you know, if you've gone to counseling you know, one of the things that, that you learn right away is to kind of ask the person, so so what I hear you telling me is, and repeat back to the person what you think they just explained to you, so that it gives the person a chance to re-explain it if, it if it wasn't correctly, you know, formatted, or if I didn't hear it correctly, because that, that kind of triggers maybe the wrong reaction or the wrong response. I mean, there were things like that, but I, I think what we went through was in the road adventure was was a lot of healing of uh, individually healing yeah mm -hmm. healing of of wounds that we had that kind of led us down the road that put us on the path of individually of ending up in a divorce 
That's the place where I first heard the word triggers, going into this counseling. I think that was probably the biggest one I held on to. Okay, so there's going to be times when I feel the same things I felt in the past, but this is not the same person. So I need to figure out this is not the person that is causing the feeling, but my memory. So all that dynamic itself was very helpful to me. Like, okay, do I feel like I come from a culture, again, that is very man-oriented, so I feel that my position is threatened just because a man is going to step on me? Or, or is this a loving man protecting me? Those concepts of triggers really helped me, like try to sort out where the feelings were coming from. That, that really helped us, I think, in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Taking turns to talk. Mm-hmm. That, by the way, we're not perfect at doing this. Sometimes, <laughs> no. there, was, there was a time where, when William said, I can't believe we speak two languages and we cannot understand each other. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe that's not about the language, right? Yeah. But we try to take turns to talk and give each other space. And maybe those are probably the, the two that I can relate to the most. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. What have you learned about God from each other? I think our marriage has, if we have to put a name to the book, I would write about our marriage. <laughs> okay. I would put dripping grace. I mean, our marriage has, like the stem has been God's grace in everything. We don't deserve anything. And God just granted us so much grace in His in our parenting, in our relationship. And to me personally, acceptance is probably one of the biggest things. I probably don't come across as a very insecure person, but I am a very insecure person because I seek for acceptance often. And William has done a great job. God has used him to make me feel accepted and loved, um, capable more secure and I feel like that is God through him in my healing process too. When you go through a divorce and then you're a single mom for a period of time, there's a lot of things that come at you and it's really hard not to embrace them as everything is my fault. I didn't do a good job or I did this and I carried a lot of guilt and and that kind of made me see myself very differently than the way God sees me. William came as a person that reminds me constantly how God sees me. I'm grateful for that. Grace is huge. It's a huge word for both of us. It's huge for me. I I felt, well, when I take on a responsibility in a, like my first marriage, I felt, I felt like I promised the Lord that I would do everything and anything in my power to make it work, to have a good, wholesome marriage. When that ended, you know, for many reasons, when that ended, I felt like I failed myself. I felt like I failed God. I felt like like I wasn't worthy of another marriage. Like, I gave you one and you messed it up. You're asking for another one, you know, you're asking for grace for another one. And I, I felt like unworthy of doing it all over again. Like, I, I felt that in my first marriage, like, I, I take it real seriously, like, that the parents handed me their precious daughter, and somehow I couldn't get it together enough to make it work. Of course, it takes two to tango. It takes two to try. But with that ending, I thought, man, how, how can God let me... Like, I just didn't feel worthy enough to ask for a, a second marriage. And doors kind of opened up that kind of led us together. And I was afraid every step of the way. I was like, God, like, I, 
forgive me for what I and I still I still feel sort of guilt like was there anything else I could have done I am perfectly happy in my marriage now but but I the responsibility was so large that I just thought I, I maybe I have a still a little bit a uh, little sense of that I haven't forgiven myself a hundred percent but I I knew that I wanted to make this second time around like it had to work and I had to do things right and I had to get help and I had to equip myself and I had to give Millie grace and I had to be loving with the boys and I had to just I I don't know it's a huge responsibility and I I think God has has just opened doors for me and I've walked through and I can't believe that he still has allowed me to have somebody that I consider my other half you know so so grace is huge for me that's beautiful. <laughs> Probably the biggest struggle because 10, 11 years later, I still struggle with forgiving myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's probably one of the marks. And sometimes we sit and have a pity party. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, could we have done more? But then it's, we would not be here, you yeah. know, and, and you have to remind yourself that was necessary for growth, for healing, for dealing with some things individually. And, and we're grateful that although it took all that suffering and we're sad just that we made others suffer in the mm-hmm. process. Uh, we are where we are because of God's grace. And boy, we when we hear of another marriage in trouble, like mm. we're like, oh my gosh, we got to make it work. Mm-hmm. What can we do? How can we help? help? Here's the tools I received. Use them. Here's things that I learned. Use them. Because I, I think it's just the it's just the most heartbreaking, saddest thing that you could go through as a divorce. I don't wish it on anybody. Well, and you, at at the time, you did the best that you knew at that time. Mm-hmm. You got new information. You got mm-hmm. new Very tools. You, you had a choice whether you take this information and these new tools and you use them. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I think beating yourself up about what you didn't have then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think as humans, we do that. We want to beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. And God's grace covers a lot of messes in our lives. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. No one's perfect and it's only by the grace of God that any of us are are still married probably. Right. You know, I mean it it takes a lot of work and it's a lot of choosing to mm-hmm. grow and to learn and to mm-hmm. to change and so. Yeah. When when we taught the parenting class with Pastor Chuck, I asked the boys uh, through text, you know, can you text me what you have learned from William and I in the process of trying to parent me? <laughs> uh, that you think we could share with other people? And Manolo was very quick to answer, and I don't have the text here, but it was something to this, similar to this. Like, And I thought it was funny. You have taught me that you can fail over and over. And I thought, man, I do fail <laughs> over and over. <laughs> but you don't give up. And we always have grace. And, and those are the things that I'm glad. I mean, I didn't do everything perfect. But if we were able to point at God in the process of parenting our kids and they can go there, I think we have succeeded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, I think we're a little vigilant uh, or at least we're starting out that way with the kids. We're like, oh, my gosh, they're arguing. What do we do? <laughs> like, how do we help them? Because they're both married. Yeah. Yeah. They're both married. Yeah. And we're like... Well, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm, I'm absolutely going to be there to help them with anything they go through. Cause, like, you just We're don't, very alert to things yeah. because of our sure. experience, right? Yeah. When we see something that down the road could be like weird or damaging, we feel compelled to say something. But yeah. We have taken that and just pray, but yeah. 
because sometimes you just fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and both the boys are very open in, in their talks with us. So we we have had really good chances given by God to be just an influence and advice or just listening, you mm-hmm. know, to them. And yeah, it's been good. Yeah. William, how do you see Millie shining? Oh gosh. I think Millie is yet to shine even more than she understands. You know, she she left Guatemala and was like in Guatemala she had she helped to start a church. She was on the radio, she was on TV. Her parents are pretty famous in Guatemala, so she's a kid who kind of grew up Christmas specials, you know, like on TV with her parents. And she came here, you know, one of the things I told her was like I'm just Bill, I'm like, I'm, I just help out at church. I do the best I can, but I'm not like this super pastor. I can't take you places and do things for you in the ministry world. And that's that's where she was from. And I, I wish I could have promised her the world, but I couldn't. And I told her, this is just little old me in Columbiana. She's, I have a business, and she's come to help me with the business and has done a lot of things. It's not her forte. It's, it's, she does it well, but I've always seen her as somebody who um, has such great advice, such wisdom for her age. And she's got, like, she just digs down deep and pulls it out from somewhere. And I told her, you know, talking about tools, I, I said, babe, I, somebody teaches me tools and I, I can tell you that I probably remember half of them. And Millie somehow remembers every single one in detail and, and can help somehow in so many ways. And I and I told her, you're, I want you to stop working for me. I want you to like, if, like I want to hire somebody to do what you're doing and I want you to go after what you want to go after. I think it's counseling. I think it's something in the in that field and i don't know i just see good things i just see awesome counseling things going on in her future that haven't happened yet and how do you see william shining man he has such a compassionate heart when he talks to people he sees way farther than just the person in front of him and he can sense needs in ways that other people don't He's a servant at heart. You know, whatever you need, he'll jump in and just do it. That has blended really well between the two of us. We we just, we are just ourselves, and we don't expect the other one to be or do what I do or the other way around. And he he's just really good at serving. That's really his his gifting is serving. Pastor Chuck would call at three in the morning to be taken to the airport, and he'll just get up and go. If if you know plumbing, your plumbing is not working, and somebody calls, he'll be of help. He has a trailer, and he goes and helps people move from house from one house to another. He's generous with uh, his finances, and I remember um, a. a couple that came to open room and they prayed for the people and I remember the lady praying over William and saying I see that you are a financial missionary and man William is so creative to do business you know his business is about uh, fixing hospital beds but he's constantly like creatively finding ways you know to multiply the the income and and doing and his vision is always giving and I admire that he has a heart to find the need and meet the need and that is very very special in him I see him going back to missions he loves going to where the need is and helping people see the need and that's how he started 
that's how we met. Going to a country and bringing people to experience some of the things we have experienced, he does that very well. And I can see ourselves at some point letting go of business and maybe just leading some people into missions. He is a father to many people. His heart is very compassionate. And I know that you both will encourage and help people who are struggling in their marriage but a lot of times there there are a lot of people like you that find themselves heartbroken that their first marriage didn't work mm-hmm. but have a second chance so give us your best advice for people in your situation where they're they're on their second marriage they're in a blended family what would you say your advice would be to folks in the same situation as you were 11 years ago. Give God a chance and give yourselves a chance. Sometimes we don't feel it, but that's where we need to just put one foot in front of the other. You can do more than you think you can. You just need to ask God to open up your mind and just show it to you. I surprise myself sometimes with just things that I... I'm like, I am not capable of that. <laughs> and somehow I get through it, and I'm like, God, only because of you. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't see that in myself so we will fail you know we did fail and we will fail because we're human but god is god and i think that was probably more likely what has helped us go through through things you know Mm -hmm. knowing that he is god he's not gonna fail us a husband will fail you a friend will fail you you know life can feel like it's failing but god won't fail you well, we really appreciate you guys coming in and sharing your story, and it's a beautiful picture of God's redemption mm. and God's grace, and we're excited that we get to share part of this adventure with you, and we're glad that you came in and shared and appreciate you and, and the work that you're doing in Salem with the Hispanic Church, and glad that you're still a part of the Upper Room. Thank you. Oh, we are. Well, we're wrapping it up on the month of love. But make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.